at the end of the day, these audits provide really meaningful recommendations, and that's what carries the work forward. So, Cade, we had a brand new batch of these reports from your office uh, presented to House and Senate leaders for their review. What exactly are in those reports, and why are those findings significant to state leadership? Great question, and uh, we're excited to spend a few minutes here talking about that. Uh, we're all gonna, I'm going to have uh, the audit managers kind of go through that in a lot of detail, but just give you a high level here. Uh, each of these three audits answer important questions to policy. Uh, the first one is on the Utah Homeless Service System. And there's some really important uh, issues that are addressed in that audit, uh, specifically as we discussed with the committee, uh, dealing with uh, looking forward, what is going to be the strategic plan and the right metrics. I'll have Brian Dean go more into that. But that's one that um, I, I think a lot of people want to pay close attention to. Uh, the other one is on the Utah Career Service System. Um, that's, that's another one that, that is of, of great interest. Um, there's some legislation we believe is going to be pending on that, and Darren Underwood will talk more about that. The last one on warrants and uncollected fines and fees in the state um, is, is a really important issue as there's a lot of fines and fees that are assessed uh, through that court system and how those are collected and processed. And so Ben Byes will discuss that. Uh, I, ju I just want to maybe take a minute, Edward, as we get started and and one of the questions we receive a lot as auditors is, well, how are your recommendations being implemented? At the end of the day, these audits provide really meaningful recommendations, and that's what carries the work forward. And, and we have a terrific system in the state on making sure that those recommendations are implemented. But I just want to say really quickly, we, we, our website has a lot of tools. And for those that are out there listening and they're like, I wonder what's going on in past audits. What happened with that work? Um, are those, is things being done? Uh, was it implemented? Did, did we get the impact we wanted? So you can go to olag.utah.gov. Um, you've heard me talk about that before. You go up the top there, um, there's a tools tab. If you click on the tools tab um, to the far left, there's a whole bunch of uh, other options that you can select from. The, the highest one, the toppest one, is recommendation. Click on that, and you can sort through all the audits we've done over the last several years. You can sort through it by committee. So if you're interested in higher education, you can sort through the higher education committee, and you can see it. You can sort through implemented, not implemented. So there's a wealth of information there uh, for those that are interested more in how past audits have been implemented. Uh, with that, Edward, we'll... Uh, if turn the time over to Brian for the homeless audit. Okay, thank you. Brian, do you want to go ahead and explain what exactly is this Utah Homeless Service Audit, uh, and what did we find, what did we learn from this, and how, we might, how might we be able to implement these findings to change policy going forward? Thank you. This audit was requested because um, it's a follow-up audit to our 2018 audit looking at homeless services. And what we found, we were asked to evaluate was the oversight that's being provided, the the um, performance metrics and how those are being, you know, how those are being instituted and uh, the review of funding and how the funding sources come in. A lot of funding goes into homeless uh, spending each year. As a matter of fact, the governor's office of planning and budget estimated that in 2019, over 300 million in direct and indirect spending went into homeless services here in the state of Utah. 
And so as we reviewed this audit, one of the things we found is that the, the needle's moving in the right direction. Utah's moving in the right direction. We now have a reconstituted homeless council. We now have a state homeless coordinator that can bring the sort that can bring the, the different players together and start moving the state in a coordinated effort moving forward. What we found before is we had a lot of different service providers that were just providing patches of services here and there, and there was overlap, and so we're looking for more coordination. And we did find that one of the things as we're moving forward to continue to move that needle, Utah needs a new strategic plan that brings all of the players together and it also moves them you know in a coordinated effort moving moving forward the state also needs to decide what is our goal is our goal to simply find housing or is it to help you know individuals move beyond the um, some of the factors that may have led to their homelessness whether it be like these different subpopulations whether it be mental health substance abuse substance abuse criminal histories or all of these things addressing the underlying um, needs that that led to their homelessness we also found that um if they if they can put some put these in into the strategic plan and then also have some better financial management as they're addressing the the spending that goes on and developing the performance metrics so that they can evaluate individual service providers in the past we've just given snapshots of how the state's looking in homelessness and how we're doing but one of the things that we're saying to really affect change we need to hold the service providers accountable to how are what are they doing to to fill the need in which that they were funded for in the first place. And so we felt like as a state, as if we did these things moving forward, homelessness can be continued to, to be a, can be a problem that we can continue to um, address and help alleviate for a number of people that are suffering from this. So it sounds like in the past we kind of had a multitude of different services all pulling in different directions to try and address this homeless service problem. But what this audit does is it basically identifies those and gives recommendations on how we can all pull together in one direction to help fight for homelessness. Is that what I understand correctly? Correct. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Darren, do you want to go ahead and take a moment for us and, and kick off and explain just a little bit about this Utah Career Service System audit? Thanks, Edward. Yeah, to understand what's happening in this audit, I need to give some background on uh, the original audit that occurred back in 2010, and then, as you said, explain career service systems. So, in 2010, there were a group of uh, there were some legislators that came to the audit subcommittee and asked, "Are there changes that can be made to the personnel system in Utah um, to address uh, some of our poor performers?" Which, you know. It, uh, it's a small number, but there were questions about whether we could be more productive. And so essentially there are two major systems in Utah for personnel. Career service means that employees are afforded certain protections under, under the law, merit principles like competitive hiring, and if there's a, a discipline to be had, they have protections like a grievance process and so forth, as opposed to an at-will employee who could be could be dismissed for without cause uh, as long as it's under the law. And so the, the request back then uh, was for us to look to see what other states had done and if, and if anybody does anything differently to address poor performing. There were some states that, that had moved uh, individuals from career service to at will, but what we learned from the stakeholders and the findings of that audit was that uh, we could change the grievance process a little bit and uh, streamline it and also improve management. Unfortunately, over those years, uh, not a lot changed with 
when I said management, I meant the training of managers and supervisors so that they can be more productive at, at dealing with poor performing employees. What we found is that not a lot had changed. And with the grievance system, even though there was legislation, it tightened it up a bit, but there, there really weren't a lot of substantive changes that, that uh, did anything other than just make the process a little shorter. So what this audit does, fast forward to this year, is it says, Here, here's the updated information. There's lots of other states that have done different things to deal with, with poor performing employees. Um, we, we, give, we give examples from those other states for the legislature c- to consider because, as Cade mentioned earlier, uh, there looks to be pending legislation to maybe do, some, do something with career service. Uh, but the, the key takeaway is probably our last chapter, which talks about this management training that says DHRM, which is the Division of, of uh, Human Resource Management, could do more to get uh, supervisors and managers trained on, under, you know, to deal with poor performing employees and, and other personnel issues. Uh, at the time, we, there was less than 10% of uh, agency managers and supervisors that were going to such sponsored training. They may have done some things on their own in agencies, uh, but that percentage only increased to about 30%. So we, you know, statewide in the executive branch, we don't have a lot of uh, individuals, supervisors and managers attending training to better themselves to deal with issues like poor performing employees. So the recommendations are to remedy that and also for state agencies to get their people there and then to provide this information to the legislature. Okay, so now that we have all of this information and some recommendations from other states to see how they're trying to address poor performing employees, what are some of the specific policies that we might be able to implement here in the state of Utah that might address this? Does your audit go into specific bills or specific uh, ideas that the legislature can take up to try and address that issue? The audit shows that several other other states, specifically those that surround us, still have the majority of a career service system. But some other states, for example, uh, Missouri recently changed and went to mostly at will. Um, And so the the audit does give specific examples of other states that moved to at will and and perhaps provided an incentive to make that, that move for employees, moved to at will without an incentive and other options that the the legislature can look at as well as make no change at all and just try to, to increase our management training. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ken, our last audit that we're going to talk about here real briefly is on warrants and uncollected fines and fees in the state of Utah. Ben, you want to go ahead and just give us a real quick overview. What exactly is this audit and, and how can we learn from it in order to implement better policy in the state? Definitely. Thank you. So the big takeaway from this audit is the difference between fines and fees and warrants in Utah courts. So there's been a lot of uh, confusion on this issue where we hear these big numbers thrown about, about $600 million out there. Uh, What we found is there are a lot of uncollected warrants out there in the state, but ideally those are amounts that we never want to be collected. So warrants are very different than fines and fees. A fine and fee is an amount that someone owes to a court and we want to collect that money. And generally, we found the courts are doing a pretty good job of collecting those, uh, those fines and fees. So we did a survey of justice courts. We looked at their collections. We found that about 88% of those are collected. So overall, pretty good numbers being collected. The number of, of fines and fees out there in the state 
um, it's just over $50 million. So it's still a significant amount of money, but it's nowhere close to this $592 million that we see in active warrants. Now, those amounts, ideally, we don't want collected. The only time that we really see those collected is when, um, is when they are forfeited for failure to appear. So warrants are used a little bit differently than a fine and fee. So a warrant is used as a, a mechanism to ensure that someone comes to court and that they have a little bit of skin in the game. So ideally, they come to court or they pay their fine and the fee, and that amount is never collected. So when we do see that happening, that, that less than 1% of warrants is collected, that means that they didn't appear in court. The prosecutor filed a motion to have a warrant um, forfeited, and that's when that's collected. So although it's a very big number, it's not a number that represents a collectible amount to the courts. So just for clarification, this $50 million of, of outstanding fines and fees, that's, that's not a fine or fee or increased taxes that the legislature is planning on putting on people. Instead, that's money that is out there that needs to be collected, that is already due to the state, uh, that we just have not received from people who are required to pay that, correct? Exactly. So that could be as simple as a traffic citation that someone hasn't paid, um, and, and that's money that we want collected. So, again, the justice courts... Uh, which are located, these municipalities throughout the state are doing a pretty good job of collecting the money. They have processes for collecting them. Many of them also use the Office of State Debt Collection if they're not getting payment. One of our recommendations is that for those justice courts that are not utilizing that resource, they use it. It's a free resource to them uh, and allows them to hopefully boost up those collection rates. So although most justice courts are, are doing a very good job of collecting, we found that a few are, are a little bit lower. Uh, generally, justice courts are not tracking their collection rates. They're not tracking the amount that's being waived. And so these are some of the things that we believe the administrative office of the courts can increase their training on to ensure that we have a good system throughout the state. So is there anything that the legislature can do to try and increase collections of these fines and fees or warrants? We did an, off, uh, an audit of the Office of State Debt Collection that came out last year, and we, we kind of consider that. So there are certain things you can do to increase collection rates. Uh, one of those is having justice courts use the Office of State Debt Collection. They have a lot of tools such as Finder, which allows um, tax returns to be collected for outstanding fines and fees. They can also garnish wages. But it really is a policy question of how aggressively you want to go after some of these outstanding debts as opposed to helping offenders uh, you know, get back on their feet and, and be productive members of society. So certainly a trade-off there. Um, I think the biggest thing for policymakers to know is just the difference uh, when you hear those two numbers and that, that $600 million is not money that we want to be collecting, right? We want people to be showing up in court to be paying their $50 million fines and fees, um, but, but there is a, a difference between those two amounts. Cade, do you have anything else that you would like to mention before we go ahead and sign off here? I think the biggest thing here I'd say is if anyone would like to uh, get more information, they can, of course, go to our website, olag.utah.gov. And there's a lot of different ways of interacting with the audits there. You can get the full report. Those are, uh, you know, lengthy at times, but there's a wealth of information. You can also get a, a one-page summary, or you can click and get, like, a 30-second version with, with highlights of it. Um, of course, if, if anyone's really interested, feel free to call the office, and we'll be happy to talk with anyone in more detail about the audits. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you all back, and we look forward to uh, hearing 
our reports in the December interim meeting.